I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burr, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production. Brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, I'm Sanchita Sharma. I'm the health and science editor with the Hindustan Times. Welcome to my podcast, HealthWise. Each episode will bring you up to speed with the top of the mind, health, science and environment issues. You'll hear experts who will help you better understand policy and decipher jargon so that you can make the choices that work best for you. Coronavirus cases in Delhi and the NCR are surging. Experts blame it on festivities and gatherings, but a corresponding rise has not been recorded in other states that observe similar festivities. I am on call with Dr. Yatin Mehta, who is the chairman of the Institute of Critical Care and Anesthesiology at Medanta Hospital Gurugram, to find out what people are doing wrong. So, Doc, why are cases rising in Delhi? I live and work in Gurugram and I travel sometimes to Delhi. And I find a distinct change in behavior pattern of people in public places. Delhi is complete, has completely opened up, as if there is nothing wrong. And many educated people have been saying, oh, what is a big deal? It is just like a flu. So, Delhi has completely opened up. The traffic has tremendously increased. The marketplaces are full. The shopping areas are full. Many, many people are masking properly. You know, even if they are wearing it around their neck or under the nose. It doesn't really serve the, serve the purpose. What are the common mistakes that people make that raises their risk of infection? See, the mask should be covering your nose and mouth. After a day's use, you should discard the mask to a refreshment next day, unless you have washable, reusable mask. Avoid the safe distancing is what we have. So safe distancing, hand hygiene and masking are the three life-saving procedures which we can all exercise prudently till that vaccine comes beginning of next year. So I think the, the Delhi, and this is now what I'm saying, the change which I'm seeing is that earlier we were seeing people from congested lower classes of people financially who were living in cramped spaces with sharing toilets and things like that where physical distancing and isolation was not possible. But now I'm seeing upper class South Delhi people who have adequate uh, space in their houses, adequate toilets, but they are not exercising this uh, properly. So I think people have just forgotten, This is you can call this COVID fatigue. So after months and months of nothing else but COVID and uh, everybody telling you to do the same thing, people are now tired also. And marriages are happening and the government is increasing it initially from 250 to 200 people. Gyms have opened up, Mandir, Masjid, Church, Gurdwara, all are open. Why should we be doing all this? I think Delhi should be ashamed of itself. We are really doing very poorly compared to the rest of the country. Yeah, that's true. And uh, also, do you find that since most of us see our homes as safe places, we tend to get careless at home? So, do you, are you seeing clusters from within families where people are not, you know, people think they're inside homes, but if somebody else is infected, you get infected too? There's so many families I have seen where one person gets infected. I clearly instruct them to 
in complete isolation, explain it to them what is complete isolation, and then a few days later, the whole family gets hit. I mean, people are not exercising the, uh, the isolation procedures properly, and it is spreading among one person gets it, the whole family gets it. And it's a major problem because it's small children, elderly people in the house, three, three people get admitted in the ICU in the, in the hospital, who looks after the small children. So these are social, social problems also which will crop up once uh, this thing increases like this. But it's also possible to protect yourself. I and mean, someone like you, you've been treating COVID-19 patients since March when the first cluster of cases were reported in that Italian tourist. Right. And you're in contact with positive patients every day, you and your team and frontline workers across the country who are treating. Infection rate among doctors and health workers is not like phenomenally high. So clearly protection works. I mean, what do you do? What are the precautions you personally take when you go home? What I do in the hospitals is that I strictly follow the SOPs for how to enter that area where the patients are there, how to meet those people, how to don, how to doff, and I, I change my, see, I go in my OT uh, blues, as you say, the operation theater clothes. On top of that, we don the clothing for the COVID, which is a PPE, personal protective equipment. There is a proper way to don it. So I follow the state procedure. I practice hand hygiene between each patient with the proper PPE. When I come out, there is a proper way to take it off, which is called doffing. So I follow the doffing procedure properly. Hand hygiene after every article which comes out. Then I have a shower and I change my OT blues into fresh OT blues. After I finish my work during the day at the hospital, I come home, have another shower and change my clothes. So I think if I if you follow all these norms, one will stay, stay safe. If you do not, if you take shortcuts, because many of the healthcare workers try to get, get tired or bored or whatever, so they, they, they take shortcuts. And then they fall into the trap because healthcare workers are a high risk of getting the uh, COVID-19 disease. And you mentioned earlier that most people now believe that it's just a mild infection like the flu, but... Most people don't realize that COVID-19 also comes at a physical and also an economic cost. Because first, let's talk about the physical cost. What are the after effects as, that you see in people with long COVID? Because people in even with even mild disease have lingering symptoms. Uh, uh. Yeah, so see, some of them, the cough and fever and body muscle pain and loss of appetite, general malaise and weakness will persist for a long time. Not only that, the breathing difficulties can persist. So they can, the lungs can undergo certain long-term changes, which is very detrimental. So they, they, they exercise tolerance will go down. They climb a flight of shares in their short of breath. The muscle mass goes down. Not only that, the long-term psychological impact of that. See, there's neurocognitive dysfunction, there is depression, uh, anxiety, all these persist for months. Um, so after the effects, we are only realizing now in follow-up clinics after the patients uh, get discharged. So the price to pay is very heavy if you, no question, not only during the illness, but even even after the illness. Many of them will not be able to join back work for weeks and months. And then there's also the economic cost because of course treatment is free in government hospitals, but a lot of people who don't even need hospitalization, who have mild to moderate disease, which is being treated at home, even they have to go for blood work, CT scans and um, medication. Yeah, the, what is the average cost for a person in a private sector hospital, you know, including doctor consultations online and all of that? 